Craig, have you seen my shoe? What's that for? Protection. Protection? Protection from who? Yeah, Smokey. I got to walk Smokey down to his house. Oh, man. Your mother and I never would have moved in this neighborhood if we had known you needed a gun to walk down the damn street. You know how it is around here. Oh, no, son. That's not the way it is. You kids today are nothing but punks. Sissified. So quick to pick up a gun. You're scared to take an ass whipping. This one makes you a man. When I was growing up, this was all the protection we needed. You win some, you lose some. But you live. You live to fight another day. And you think you're a man with that gun in your hand, don't you? I'm a man without it. Put the gun down. Come on, put up your dukes. Now you're a man. Your uncle picked up a gun, too. He had to find out the hard way. 22 years old. You've got a choice. These are all you need. All right? Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike, and we are wrapping up yet another month of movies. Well, I say movies, and I, I think there's two movies and one uh, pile of poo. Uh, five Deadly Venoms, The Deer Hunter, and Every Which Way But Loose. How the hell did we get here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this right to you right away. Here's here's the uh, the the theme as I have it listed: tracking down trials of combat. 1978 edition. So at least one of us knew, hey, these are all 1978 movies. Make sure to put that on there in case we do another edition of this. I would say, thanks to The Deer Hunter, there will not be another yearly edition of this. <laughs> you would say, every which way but loose, which means the most boring part of this conversation, unfortunately for you, is going to be your pick with Five Deadly Venoms because we both agreed on it as far as our enthusiasm and our enjoyment we had with that film. Where we disagree is, <laughs> which is worse, Academy Award-winning Best Picture winner or financially successful? What was number one in 78? I don't think I looked that up. But this, Every Which Way But Loose was number two at the box office. It wasn't quite the champion, but... I mean, in terms of just the percentage-wise, it costs a measly $5 million to make. So uh, in terms of profit, I mean, hands down, I would imagine... Oh, so you're, this, you're playing uh, the... Uh... I think the same was said of uh, Mamma Mia in 2008, that it was more financially successful than The Dark Knight, just on pure profit. So, yeah, the Mamma Mia card, okay? Highest grossing film. Um, uh, yeah, you know, you may be correct, because Wikipedia on its tab is putting Every Which Way But Loose number two, but I'm seeing it as number four, buying Superman, Grease, and Animal House. 
I don't know if that's domestic, worldwide. I don't really know if worldwide box office was really tallied at that point. <laughs> I'm wondering if European audiences really contributed to the gross of every which way but loose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe the French. I feel like they have a more eclectic mm-hmm. taste. But yeah. speaking of eclectic, this is about as... Like when when you were talking about a, a trilogy with variety, this might be the most variety yes. we've ever had. Uh, three very very different films. Other than the fact that there are forms of uh, violence that uh, are made into sport uh, in a way, which maybe is a little unfair of Five Deadly Venoms. Although there is certainly a theatricality to it, as far as the characters themselves like to like to show off a bit. Um, that is a murder mystery like as an investigation as far as like who who is the one that's doing this to and we we have characters that are introduced in various masks and code names they have to reveal themselves the deer hunter is obviously melodrama uh, coming off the vietnam war uh which in that episode i feel like that's what we had the most problems with was the <laughs> the auteur defending like no, no 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 i heard one time there was some russian roulette going over there everything's completely factual <laughs> it's, you know um and then Never Which Way But Loose, which is basically as classic as, I guess, <laughs> combat will get. If someone insults you in a bar, you may awkwardly fight and grapple with another grown man before someone else throws <laughs> both of you out. Like that's, <laughs> I feel like the other two, you may aspire to that level of violence, either being some sort of expert in martial arts or having the the war story that people will have to to respect in some way that they've never gone through those traumatic events. I don't know if anyone respects what Clinius was going through. Certainly my co-host did not did not understand the plight of Clinius Wood with a broken heart. At least he wasn't pulling up a gun and putting it in people's faces talking about whether they were lucky or not. Like he was especially in 2022 climate. Like I like Clint with no weapons except his mitts. I like that going Marv style Sin City. No, certainly that. I, boy, I'll I'll give this film uh, um, any compliment I can, just to not sound like I'm such just a trying jerk. to back you into a corner unfairly by by saying <laughs> if you hate everyone's way but loose, you're pro gun. <laughs> that's that's what you're saying. <laughs> Come on, I'm all about the five deadly venoms. Their their bodies are the deadly weapons in that film. Whereas you're right, the the absolute outlier here is the deer hunter, where the gun is very prominent. And you know you know what's wild is uh all three of these films could absolutely be remade today, and I mm. think that they would work and they would absolutely find an audience. Uh, so there is something to be said about each of them, uh, where you can have a murder mystery that's uh, in the guise of a, a kung fu film. You can have, I mean, you know, how many different wars can you... Uh, you can modernize Deer Hunter. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can find a director out there who is convinced that Russian roulette occurred in the you know Iraq War somewhere. Uh, he, he doesn't want to show any paperwork in, in terms of actual proof, but hey, you could do it. And as much as Wes Craven said it, like people do love monkeys, and so uh, you could absolutely uh, remake this film today. So there is a an odd. Oh boy timeless quality i can't believe i'm saying that yeah, <laughs> yeah. The most timeless trilogy we've ever put into place took place in 1978 that was the apex of cinema <laughs> i don't know how because i told you i was like i think uh, i want to talk about five deadly venoms and you ran with it and this is what you came up with what other things outside of 
<laughs> the violence attracted you to these films and want, wanting to revisit specifically Deer Hunter and Every Which Way But Loose? Probably like, you know, violence as a means to uh, impose your will or authority on another man. I mean, it's the in, – in The Deer Hunter, it's – you know, obviously it's more offensive because you're taking real life uh, violence and tarting it up in a way with the Russian roulette aspect of it. But it's like much more comedically, thankfully, in every which way but loose. We can't just have a bar fight. <laughs> we have to throw a monkey in it. We have to have a chase through a car wash. Like we have to have some distance from the fact that it's men trying to solve their problems in the most base way possible. So in the deer hunter, not only do you have these two countries at war, but once they're captured, it's like they can't let go of the violence. Like they have to find new ways to entertain themselves with something else, even though they have been previously shooting at each other across the battlefield. That's still not enough for them. So that having not seen five deadly venoms, I was trying to put together something to where, there was some extra element to the the combat that the characters themselves seem to impose on on others. Uh, so there are plenty of films that could have fit uh, in that regard. But yeah, we've talked before. We failed. You know, I failed miserably as far as trying to separate them across the spectrum. We we had gotten better about different decades. However, this time it seemed to be. I, I wanted to look at it like why was this sort of on the brain with all these varying levels of successful films, both from award winning. Uh, financially, and then you know you're bringing an international film into it that it wasn't just in America that, and you know, in fairness, like to to most uh, foreign films, uh, they would just be stolen from <laughs> by, by <laughs> later right. films lately later on. So uh, yeah, I, I thought that would be an interesting way to look at violence without it becoming really grating and possibly numbing to us, where it's just violence treated the same way with the same tone like throughout. So one thing that's interesting, like while you had that on your mind, I think where each of these three films end up is a path of almost nonviolence at the end of the five deadly venoms. You've got uh, the two remaining members of this fallen house are like, yeah, well, you know, one of them, the, the youngest one's like, well, let's go take care of this, government stooge because he was also involved in all the machinations that happened and uh, you've got the wiser elder saying no he's just gonna get replaced like to properly bring um our house back to uh, good standing we have to go and and avoid that same path and so they move on and try to get this treasure and try to get it donated something of nonviolence. In The Deer Hunter, you have, I mean, boy, because it's so violent, it almost feels like the ending goes, uh, uh, we're almost giving it a free pass, where De Niro is so desperately trying to bring his friend back from this world of violence that he can't escape from. Again, classic war themes, like people are unable to adjust back into civilian life after they've seen violence of that magnitude. And so I like that, where he's desperately trying to plead to his friend. And then, every which way but loose, in that final confrontation, you have Clint Eastwood taking a dive, deciding not to overpower this man and let him have his uh, uh, moment. Uh, and, and because he sees 
where uh, his his life is going. And, and because I, I believe one of the individuals is like, well, he's the next one. He's going to be our next champion and kind of continue the circle of violence. So even in a film about a man and a monkey, you've got a little <laughs> bit of a, a nonviolent theme there uh, that is uh, very admirable. So despite the fact that you're coming at these films um, with their violent content, it's funny where they all end up. I think that's very, very interesting. I mean, that's like the the fallacy of, uh, you know, a lot of our entertainment that, you know, violence is fun to watch. You know, Quentin Tarantino in interviews has been tacked for his violent work. And since it was popular and it's fun, violence in particular, it appeals to like younger audiences, younger men. Um, he he has sort of used himself as an example, like, well, I watch a lot of violent movies and all that caused me to do is to make violent movies that I didn't commit violent acts. So there is a bit of a fallacy that if you look at this and you look at the Hollywood uh, way of solving problems, it's like everyone has a gun at their disposal. And speaking of 2022, it's like we certainly do not need that. Uh, I even feel I've always felt this way, like in my podcasting world. I'm always a bit hesitant, which is a problem when you cover action movies or Westerns or thrillers. Um, even for like the podcast art, uh, I don't like to use – like a character holding a gun for the little square, which may be misleading if 90% of the runtime they are in fact holding a gun and <laughs> waving around, but I don't even, don't even dig that. Uh, I think that it's, it's, that's what I liked best about this trilogy is that although there's, you know, varying levels of uh, entertainment value to the violence itself, um, it's men who set out to solve their problems with violence and to restore order in a way. So that sequence you're talking about as far as the end of the, the monkey movie that you detested. I'm glad you, you know, I'm proud of you for making it all the way to the end. Um, <laughs> Clint's character sees that like, okay, so yeah, I win this fight. And suddenly I have this entire world of hillbillies and rednecks that want to challenge me because I'm the, <laughs> I'm the new cock of the walk. That does not sound appealing to me. Uh, the deer hunter is not appealing that these characters survive the violence but then they're expected to go back and your favorite character in the deer hunter is wanting to wave a gun around as soon as they get back he's <laughs> wanting to talk about like you know let's let's go shoot things isn't that what you like doing with no 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 sort of you know reflection on what people have experienced since you know they've left civilian life the hardest one to peg in that regard is five deadly venoms because as we talked about in that episode there's all i mean the film opens with a heavy dose of expository dialogue here are the characters. Here are the names. You've got to restore a good name, but to do so, you got to you got to beat some ass. You got to, you got to whip some ass to, to do so. So, do you? Where do you sit in that regard? Because that's 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 probably where I struggle with that one the most. Is because um, even when we were watching it, I brought up the you know leap in logic you have to make that the villain who is not known to the others, they only know him as a code name. They don't know his face sticks around even when he could get away scot-free with the money just to kill some more people like let me just make sure let me let me use these mitts to kill people where do you stick around with the maybe the lesson i guess from our trilogy as far as the use of violence to to solve or correct anything to restore any sort of order or balance because that seems to be what clint is attempting to do at the end which is a nice way to say it i'm taking the cynical way is that he doesn't want that that balance of Sith Lords hunting him down and his monkey is like the last <laughs> remaining Jedi. 
Well, it's hard because with the five venoms, you've got unfortunately glorification of the violence. I mean, it's and all of these are fantastical uh, fighting styles that are not, you know, uh, uh, I mean, beyond practical. That you just can't do them in real life. So while it all leads to a pretty brilliant action set piece. Ultimately, you know, it's kind of a cop out. The characters like, no, 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 we should, we should not be violent, even though we just inflicted a shit ton of awesome violence. You need a patsy, like in every which way but loose. You have to have a fall guy that's still standing between a meat shield between me and the hooligans that want to swing at my skull. There's always going to be a bit of hypocrisy in these kinds of films. Um, I, I guess the only one that kind of gets away with it is maybe Deer Hunter because it's hard not to show the effects of violence without the violence. But nobody puts on the Deer Hunter and, you know, immediately goes into the Russian roulette scene and be like, oh, this is such a great scene. You know, you can skip around in the Matrix and see the awesome action set pieces, but you can't do that with Deer Hunter, nor do I think that they are trying uh, or in aiming to try and do that. Uh, and for a... <sighs> I would imagine with every which way but loose, nobody is skipping to those awesome fight scenes either. <laughs> They're kind of more there for the hangout sessions, as you mentioned, and uh, the zany adventures and uh, whatever quote unquote comedy that uh, uh, entertainment value that they so get down. out of it. So, so, so. I'm, I'm preparing my attacks <laughs> on the deer hunter as we speak. <laughs> well, uh, one aspect of the violence that uh, I, I think we, we should address, and again, this kind of goes back to the fact that I have a daughter, is I always look at these films that I'm revisiting or, or any new film that I'm watching, is what are the women up to in these films? Boy, they are not up to much for the most part, outside of maybe Every Which Way But Loose. And, and yeah, there's that's one... right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> there's one who is uh, backstabbing our main character, uh -huh. and the other one who Agency. is... Uh, <laughs> the other one was kind of an easy lay and very, very uh, um, docile, I guess, for the lack of hey, a better word. She's the one that pulls out the gun, right? And shoots uh, <laughs> twice a big slab of meat. <laughs> twice Fair. because she wants to show she's not lucky with her shot. That she's, you know, She saves the men. Webb, you're just not looking very feminist here uh, as far as introducing women folk into violence. Put them in there. I don't know how that's making me sound. Let them get roughed up and slapped around. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, they certainly do in the Five Venoms, uh, and and I guess Meryl Streep does as well in uh -huh, the Deer Hunter. Uh -huh. So yeah, these all three of these films that um, either glorify violence or examine the effects of violence, very male centered. Uh, there is a bit of a male camaraderie there in all three of these films as well. Um, I, I assume Clyde is a is a male. I, I think that's I don't know if it's explicitly stated, but um. yeah, I don't think he was a uh, he was cuckolded. He was just late to the party. He was brought over to uh, get another lady uh, orangutan pregnant, and just uh, I guess his his bus ride was too late shipping him over. So no, <laughs> <Right. laughs> that's where his life of crime began because he couldn't get laid, according to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> And ultimately, the women, uh, they play very uh, small parts, I think, in these films. They either create trouble or a bit of a nuisance for the main characters. I, I found that very uh, interesting. Maybe the next uh, trilogy that we look at, where we're looking at violence, uh, maybe in a particular year, we can try to find some films where where women are also involved in the violence and not on the receiving end. We are in a time where 
we see a lot of female version of uh, of the classic you know male archetype uh, the atomic blonde came out recently and it was mm-hmm. kind of like a female james bond there's constant uh people chattering for uh a female bond uh, and then yeah, that's a very divisive topic i think uh, we're getting a female thor in our uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there is a lot of, uh, uh, like, I guess a renaissance of, of, of female-driven stories. Uh, boy, not in 1978. And then, that's, honestly, that's, that's probably for, for the best, just because they didn't know how to create those characters. I mean, you have characters like Foxy Brown, um, but yeah, few and far between, uh, female prisoner scorpion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I'm, I'm really knee deep into some of these arrow video releases. Uh, so yeah, th- th- there are a few, like I spit on your grave. There were a few like real grind house and, and dirty revenge films where maybe there's a female character who is, uh, um, um, kind of striking back, but yeah, not much in these films. And you know, that, that's okay. I, I suppose there, there's, <laughs> I like that we're. We're assessing 1978 as a time for man things on screen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Does this trilogy work is something that I was thinking about as I was going through each of these movies, especially the past like 24, 48 hours. I was really, really racking my brain around it. You might have convinced me that there absolutely is a thematic uh, through line through all three of these films. And, and by God damn it. Did we do it? Did it happen? It's our best trilogy yet. <laughs> Sometimes you have to suffer for your art web. <laughs> I suffered. Boy, did I it suffer. It can't just be the Chris Farley show where we ask each other, like, wasn't that scene awesome? And this movie, like, it just, <laughs> yeah. We have to create good podcasts. I will say this. Okay, so I had never seen Five Deadly Venoms. I liked that that kicked off our trilogy because I had a lot of fun with it and was being introduced to it. And Honestly, at that point, wasn't thinking too much about it thematically. I think that's just for the purpose of our show, the the first one at the bat. Uh, it's not weighing too heavily yet. Going to Deer Hunter, uh, buzzkill of all buzzkills, <laughs> five deadly venoms. <laughs> However, it had the great effect of maybe uh, me looking at Every Which Way But Loose more critically uh, and the Clint Eastwood persona of, in the old days, you solve things with your hands. Uh you know, I watched it more this time as far as him being a a, a troll and an instigator uh, that was looking for an excuse to beat people up. I think the first time I just was enthralled by the idea that Clancy would seem really adamant about making a movie with a monkey as his co-pilot. Like I just <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wrap yeah. my head around it. So this is a uh, one where, yes, on this particular theme, I enjoyed them as. Uh, as a proper trilogy, as we're trying to present it to people where it made me think about the violence more in a complete throwaway goofball of a movie in every which way, but loose, uh, certainly more critically. Now you, uh, you didn't even need the theme to think about it critically because you were just in pain the entire, the entire time you watched it. <laughs> but yeah, I, w- I would say I was looking at, uh, these hyper masculine, uh, men and how they think they can solve problems by just overpowering others and, as I said, I like that Clint Eastwood is ultimately a loser in this. He In one area, as far as actual street fighting, he chooses to be a loser to maintain, you know, <laughs> I guess society at large and the street fighting community to maintain their champion. But, you know, he doesn't get the girl. You know, it's not, I mean, she she really wants no part of him. And it's the, the other people that end up happier than him. Now, that's probably ruined by watching the sequel, but I 
I probably will not get around to that unless we do whenever that came out, 1980. If we do <laughs> Trials of Combat, 1980 version, uh, I don't think so. But this is why I love talking with you about these films. Like I, again, I, I came into talking about it every which way but loose. It just like I don't know what the hell I'm going to say that's not going to just be like you're stupid and, and the things that you like are stupid. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> American here we are. public at large in 1978, you were all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, I, I found myself uh, giving it kind of an anti-violence, you know, uh, thematic resonance by, uh, by, by, the, by the end of it. So, no, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we were able to find some commonality among these three films. And, and like always, like going back to the very first one, every single trilogy we do is just a, a grand slam. So um, I'm, I'm begrudgingly happy that uh, we, we found our way through 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 a, a dark point in our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to look at every which way but loose. <laughs> Mike and I survived it. 